The following broadcast is brought to you by the friends and partners of Revival Ministries International. Hallelujah. Something happens when you mention that name. You know, I just saw in the spirit, I was just pressing in, and you know, I saw like a switch, and it wasn't an up and down switch. It was weird. It was a left or right switch. And uh, I really felt that the switch was off, and that even right now during this song, as you were pressing in, that that switch just turned on. Hallelujah, it just turned right on. I saw it clear as day. And you might not even realize the switch was off, but it just, in the spirit, it, it just clicked over. I'm telling you, that is a word from God, no doubt about it. Not a vague little something. Specifically, that is a word for the Lord. And I feel this in my spirit for a lot of people. I'm serious. It clicked. It just popped over. Something happens when Jesus shows up. Woo! And I'm not asking anybody to raise your hands on that if that's not you. But if that was you, I want you to raise your hands. Look at all the people. I'm telling you, I know by the Spirit, something happens. When you get out of the natural and you get into the realms of God and you get into the Holy Ghost... It's time for that water to part. It's time to go over and dry sea. It's time for miracles to happen. And who's God going to use? He's actually going to use you. And you know who you are, and that's why you know he gets all the glory. Because in you, you can't do it. But in him, you can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens you. Hallelujah. Who believes that? You may be seated. Thank you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Something happens when Jesus shows up. Woo! If I was in Tampa, I'd go, woo! <laughs> I know. We'll get letters. Somebody will say, hey, you might not know it. You're in Tampa. Okay. <laughs> I'm seated with God in heavenly places. Okay? So... Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I believe the Lord is, I tell you, I see the anointing all over this place. I really do. Just for a moment, just close your eyes, lift your hands. Something happens when Jesus shows up. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit, thank you for what you're doing and you continually to do. Lord, touch your people. Even now, in Jesus' name, flood this place. In the balconies, Lord, they're, they're closer to you. Lord, flood them. Fill them up, Lord. Out watching around the world, saying, wishing I could be at the river, but you're right there in their homes. You're right there in the hospitals. Fill them up. May the God of all hope flood them. 
Fill them up. You know, the thing about it is when, you, when your switch clicks over, you know what happens is fear goes. It really, you're, you don't realize you're in fear. Everybody knows, ah, the Lord's not giving me a spirit of fear. Yeah, we know that. But when that switch clicks over, it's really when the switch clicks over, I'm going to tell you what it is. It's really the gift of faith. It's really the gift of, it's really what it is. Because when it clicks, there's no doubt. And you even check yourself saying, there should be doubt. <laughs> Hold on a second. There really should be some serious doubt right now. What is going on? You know what it is? It's like stepping into the secret place is really what it is. It's the secret place where you're there, you can see everything going on, but it's like, a, it's like you're wrapped in his glory. You're wrapped in nobody can even see but God. And it's like he's shielding you. It's, it's, that's what I feel right now, wrapped in his glory. I feel like this switch is clicked. I'm serious. In the Holy Ghost, something's happened. It's clicked over. And people are going to another level. People are leaving the old behind. It's like I love this scripture in, Le in Leviticus. We're out with the old and in with the new. It's time for the old to go and the new to come in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. And we're not talking about your wife. Not talking about anything like that. <laughs> you know, we do have a Bible school here. I have to, have to just remember all these things. No, out with the old long-kept produce or out with the old way of the way you're doing things and behold, I do a new thing. It's, it's important. And you know, ultimately, if God doesn't come through for you, you're finished. That's basically what it is. Ultimately, if God doesn't come through for you, you're finished. I mean, if you're really doing big stuff. Ultimately, it's all about obeying Him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Someone said, what happened? His circuit breaker was turned off. He just popped it back on. Juice came. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> you know, I know people are watching, tuning in first time. We have people coming from the car show for the first time. You know, this is called joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Someone said, what happened? Well, we, run, we sang a song. <laughs> Kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. When you have a joy and you're doing what God tells you to do, everything's going to be all right. In the natural, everything will look pretty tough, but you'll just be sliding, gliding right through, right through the middle with the peace of God. You know, I could just minister, I could stop, I could just go in an all different direction here right now, but I'm going to stick with what I feel the Lord told me to do and He's telling me to do right now. And I want you to open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. And this actually is almost like a part two going with what I was sharing. Father, I just thank you for your word. I thank you, Father, you speak to the hearts of people. Lord, give them a revelation that. 
allow that hope to bubble back up in them. Let those dreams and desires that they've died to come back to life in Jesus' name that are from you. And everyone said, amen. amen. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is a substance, say substance, of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You know, one of the things that I've learned a long time ago is the devil's a hope thief. I want you to listen close. Faith is a substance of things hoped for. Maybe the enemy can't get you going in this direction or this direction, you know, to fall into sin or something like that because you love them and you would never do that. But what he will do is he'll try to steal your hope. He'll say, you know what, you're just too old for that. You know, you could have did that earlier, but you can't do it now. So he's going to come and lie to you. And what he's going to do is he's going to windle away at hope. And he's going to try to get your hope meter to get lower and lower and lower. And I want you to listen close. Faith is a substance of things hoped for. The evidence that, the faith is a substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. So faith does work by love, but faith works by hope. If the devil can steal your hope, he stole your faith. Listen close to me. Think about it. You're either hopeful, full of hope, or you're hopeless, which means your tank is on empty. So if the enemy can lie, lie, lie with situations, circumstances, things, and he can get you to be hopeless, you're really faithless. And the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. You can think of a thousand ways to please God, but none of them works without faith. So the devil's a hope thief. Somebody says, well, what would steal your hope? A neighbor. <laughs> a bad neighbor could steal hope. It's like when you tried everything and you're thinking, Lord, surely. I'm not even going to say what I want to say. But, I mean, Lord, surely there's a way to move these things out of the way. But, you know, it could be a neighbor. It could be, hold on, here's one. What could steal your hope? Family. Not all family, not good family, but everybody has the one in the family. That's a little tough. I mean, I've, I've, I've rebounded since I got into problems. I have a great family. I, I really do. Not, of course, my immediate family, but my, you know, your, your parents, your in-laws, your outlaws, you know, everybody else. You know, I come a little from a country family, so they do stuff called family reunions. Fish fry, everything fried, you know, fish fried, chicken, everything fried, you know, just like the worst stuff in the world for you, but it's, it's, it's awesome. Fried pickles, fried okra, you know, everything, you know. Sorry, I know lunch is coming around, but I, I, I made a mistake one time because I travel a lot and I see a lot of things. And if you don't pray over your food, you could die in different countries. <laughs> and uh, so a long time ago, I just adopted the principle, Father, I thank you for this food. If I eat or drink any deadly thing, it will not harm me. I, I've always prayed over my food because we've been in many places where the food's still crawling. <laughs> Absolutely. Been in many. I was in... Um, I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but I was in Nigeria one time, and they walked me through the meat market. There's no refrigeration. There is no refrigerators. It's like a cow gets slaughtered. It's right on the table, flies all around. And then, and then when, I'm sorry, I'm just going to be real with you guys. I mean, when people go to the bathroom, they just go behind the market and, and, and urinate right there. I mean, there's no portalettes. I mean, it is what it is. 
I mean, I have a farm. I got people that come to my place. I don't use chemicals or pesticides. They won't even touch dirt. They won't even touch a leaf. They think it's the plague. I mean, everybody is so different now. But over there, I mean, even me, I'm like, I will not eat that stuff. And then we get called in to meet with, you know, the head of, you know, people that are putting the crusade on and all the leaders of the town and all the commissioners and everything. And sure enough, they take that same food from the market, which is a delicacy to them, and they serve it to you. What do you do? Oh, I'm sorry, I'm vegan. No, it doesn't work like that. It, it really... You don't want to offend people. I'm vegan. Yeah, that don't work. What do you do? Lord, if I eat or drink any deadly thing, it shall not harm me. You better put faith with your prayer. And with what they're doing with the food supply now, you better do it in America. So I was at a family reunion. Great. My family's there. My dad, you know, they always, I'm a pastor, you know, so I'll pray over the food. So, I mean, everybody can't even believe Eric became a pastor still in the family. But, you know, anyways, she's, anyways, that's another story. So I go to my dad, my mom says, you know, many years ago, son, pray over the food. Yeah, thank you, mom. Father, I thank you for the family. I thank you for everybody that's come together. Lord, I thank you for everybody that prepared the food. And I went right into Africa style. I went, and Lord, if I eat or drink any deadly thing, it will not harm us. I didn't even know I did it. I promise you, in Jesus' name. And, and so, fine, everybody eats. I promise you, I didn't even know what I did. I get a call two days later, and my mom, she's with Jesus, but she didn't have a problem telling you how it is. And she's like, son, what, what, what's your problem with the family? I'm like, what, what do you mean? What's, she goes, you don't like the way we cook? I said, what do you mean like the way you cook? It was awesome. And then she reminded me of the prayer, and she said, everybody in the family's talking? And they're really, really upset that you don't think that they clean the food or wash things or anything. It's, I mean, they really thought that I did it. I didn't do it because that. Did you know for, I think, three years in a row, I never got to pray at the family reunion again? It wasn't until I got grandfathered in about four or five years later. So, it's a fact. So the devil's a hope thief. So what does he use? He uses family. He uses people. He uses situations. He uses circumstances. Sickness, when someone gets sick. You know, we know that Jesus is the healer. We know that, that above all things, God wants you to be, uh, God wants to prosper you and be in health. So sickness is not from heaven. But you can get worn down when you have pain, when you have sickness. And it can come and, st- and, and, and people can lose hope. So you have to be careful that the hope thief does not steal your hope. If you're watching right now, call the number. We are going to be praying over all the prayer requests. Circumstances in life are hope thieves. There's many things that happen. Maybe someone's watching. You've been through a divorce several years ago. The devil's a hope thief saying you'll never get married again. Absolute wrong. Liar, liar, liar. Pants on fire. The devil's a liar. If the devil's telling you the opposite must be true. Because he can only lie. Absolutely not. There's people that maybe had a tough thing happen and they went through bankruptcy. And it's done. Well, you know what? God's going to turn the whole thing around. Don't let that hope thief think that you can't succeed again. Wrong. Absolutely not. And there's been people, many people get healed. And then later on they get a twinge or a symptom. And they think, oh no, here it comes again. No. 
It goes on the devil's head in Jesus' name and ain't coming again. Don't, don't buy those packages. So the devil is a hope thief. And then you go down to verse 6, Hebrews eleven six. 6. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Our job is to always be in hope, even if we don't know how it's going to happen. We believe the word of God, even though we don't know, like, how this thing is going to happen. God makes a promise. Faith believes it. Hope anticipates it. And patience quite quietly waits for it. That's what faith is. Faith is going to happen. If God put it in your spirit, it's going to happen. Don't allow the hope thieves of life, which ultimately are authored by the devil, but ultimately can be people and many other things, steal your faith. You know, the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, 24 and 25, we are saved by hope, but hope that is not seen for what a man seeth, why does he yet hope for? So you got all these dreams and desires and you're hoping for them. And people would say, well, you can't see it, so you can't believe it. In the world, there's a saying called seeing is believing. Who's ever heard that? Seeing is, I come out of the world. Seeing is believing. What's well, the exact opposite in the kingdom of God? Believing is seeing. When you believe it and you believe God's, gonna, God's word is true and he's going to come through for you, you see it. And when you see it, you'll get it. Hallelujah. You have to pull it out of the realm of the spirit and pull it into the natural and have it in manifest form. And that's, that's how you get it. Hallelujah. Okay, Romans. Let me just, wrote, did, did I read that? Romans 8, 24 and 25. We are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what is a man seeth? Why does he yet hope for? Verse 25. But if we hope for what we see not then we do patiently wait for it. Then go to Romans chapter 8, chapter, I'm sorry, Romans chapter 4, verse 18. Well, I'm going to start in verse 17. Romans 4, 17. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before them who he believed, even God who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were. Who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. So against hope, he believed in hope. So someone says, well, I got some problems with hope. Well, don't go against hope, even though it looks like it's not going that way. Believe in hope. And be not weak in faith. He considered not on his own body dead when he was about 100 years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promises of God through unbelief. Hello? but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded. That's what faith is. When hope rises in you, and you know God spoke to you, then, then you are going to be fully persuaded, even though in the natural you have no clue how it's going to work. But you're going to be fully persuaded that what he promised, he is able to perform. You see, if you don't believe this, then you're going to lose hope. Because, well, I, I tried that. You know, yep, yep. That's why when you counsel people, man, I, I, really have, I really have a problem when people do this. You try to help people, and they always say, I did that. Yep, I know that. Then they finish the scripture after you. They have no clue. Yep, done that. Yeah, well, here's what you need to do. Let, nope, did that. Don't want to hear that anymore. Okay, well, then, you know, I don't know what to say anymore. Okay, great. You got it then. I should be listening. I, here, let's turn around, and you counsel me then. Since you have so much great fruit in your life. 
I mean, but you're counseling according to what the Word says, not just your opinion. I'm talking about what the Bible says. I'm talking about when you tell someone according to what the Bible says, Amen. not just, you know, some opinion. Hallelujah. And being fully persuaded that what he promised he was able to perform, and therefore it was imputed, imputed to him for righteousness. Hope is putting faith to work when doubt would be easier. You know, the easiest thing you can do is doubt. Ah, you know, <sighs> you know, what can you do, you know? <laughs> you can believe God. I mean, how about that? <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, anyways. <laughs> oh, my. I'm sorry. <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay, Romans 15, 13. The devil's a hope thief. Listen, I can't give my whole testimony right now. You guys can look it up uh, here. Uh, I come out of the world. I don't come out of church. I wish I would have come out of not just a religious church, but out of a church on fire like this one. I was raised in the world. I didn't go to church. So I come from a whole different background than a lot of different people. I thank God. My, sal my salvation has value. I actually am thankful I'm saved. My salvation has value. It's not what I do because my parents drug me to church and told me you got to sit there. My, I co mine comes out of a personal relationship. And I'm thankful for what God has done in my life. Amen. So you talk about hope. How about getting incurable disease and see how your hope works? It better still work. I, I can't tell my whole testimony right now because I just can't. But at the, from a wine, women, and song, and a wild life in my early 20s, and I'm not proud of that. At the age of 27, I was diagnosed HIV positive from a wildlife of sin. And I can't tell that whole testimony right now. But I'm going to tell you, you talk about a script. And I had just got saved three months before that. My wife, Jennifer, we fell in love. She married me when I was HIV positive, just so you know. She said, I'd rather marry you and die than not marry you. My wife married me when I was HIV positive. My wife, my, my, my mom is from Alabama. She said, boy, that's a good woman. You better hold on to that one. I said, yes, ma'am, and I have for 31 years. Hallelujah. So when you talk about hope, what about when there's no shot, there's no pill, there's no doctor that can help you? You better get this. Because I know what it's like to have a secret you cannot tell anybody. I know what it's like to have every devil in hell lie about you. I know what it's like mentally to deal with these things. And that's why this message is so important. Now, I'm not sharing the, just the end result, fastest I've ever told it. I am, I, am H, I am HIV negative. I don't have a trace in my body. God totally healed me in a Lutheran church when a priest put oil on my forehead. And he didn't even believe in healing, just did it out of a ritual. But hope, listen, when you, when you have no pill, no shot, no nothing, and somebody gets up, a lady gets up and reads the scripture of the day, uh, James 5, call the elders of the church, be anointed with oil, and the prayer of faith shall save the sick. And you actually believe it even in a church that's traditional? God gets all the glory. I'll tell you, hope rose in me. Hope rose up like, hold on. Not only can God save, this guy can heal. That's all it takes is for your hope to come up to a point that you'll receive your miracle.
Hallelujah. The devil is a hope thief. And if he steals your hope, he steals your faith. It's a fact. Your visions, dreams, desires, conditions, and circumstances are not impossible. Your dreams and your visions and your desires are never too dead for a resurrection from heaven. If you believe. Romans 15 Chapter 15, verse 13, amplified. May the God of your hope so fill you with all joy and peace in believing through experience of your faith that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may may abound and be overflowing, bubbling over with hope. When you get so full of hope that you are so full of hope that it bubbles over. Someone says, what's happening there? They got so filled with joy, so filled with hope that they bubbled over and leaked on somebody else. (laughs) Listen to this. May the God of all hope bubble up. Someone says, well, I don't understand why people act like that. Listen, they just had a word from the Lord. They just had an encounter with God. And what was impossible is not impossible anymore. And it bubbled up right out of their spirit. You know, many people can think of a lot of different situations and circumstances that have happened in their life, and I really felt just to do this, to make a point and to have a little fun, because I am having so many memories from Africa, personally, from all the early days, from going to Africa. I mean, it's been a run down memory lane, working on all these crusades from the years. But then I think about there's been many, many times that we had the opportunity to lose hope or for it to look like things didn't work. And some of them are humorous. Of course, it's only humorous when it's done. It's not humorous when you're in it. You get up and sell this strong testimony. It was like, ah, praise God. And you're like, man, you should have seen me in the midst of that thing. It was, I was doing everything I could just to get through the other side. And you know what, Pastor Sam, what's really cool is when we did the four mass crusades with Dr. Rodney and Soweto, Umlazi, Mnitsani, and Mama Lodi, in South Africa, we had over 700,000 decisions for Christ, and Jennifer and I spent a couple months in each one of the townships or informal settlements or whatever you want to call it, spent a lot of time over there, that what a lot of people don't know is, and this is really cool, you talk about the timing of the Lord, Dr. Rodney sent Jennifer and I to many different countries in Africa. Jennifer was eight months pregnant with Elliot. Elliot had been in, in, in eight countries of the world before he was born. So my wife was eight months pregnant and wouldn't come back to America. No, nah, I can go a little longer. Go ahead, we can go a little longer. You know, that's how she is. And so Pastor Rodney, right after Umnetsani, uh, which before, uh, I mean, right after um, uh, Mamalodi, Mamalodi, which would be the third one, he sent us, guess where he sent us to book a mass crusade? He sent us to Kenya. Guess where we're going now? We never went to Kenya. He guess where else he sent me? He sent us to Zambia. Guess where we're going right now? All of these crusades that he had in his heart, we already have been there, but we never did the crusades, but we're doing them now. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. I'll start off with this one. I got sent to Zambia. 
Fine, Zambia. I'd never been to Zambia. So anyways, I get there. We leave from Imitsani. My wife's eight months pregnant. She, I'm not gonna, I don't have time to tell all the stories, but we get to Zambia, and I'm looking for a crusade grounds, right? So no big deal. I get some of the local people to drive me around, and next thing I know, we see a, I'm looking for an open field, and I see a stadium in the middle of nowhere, way out. So I, th- so I asked the driver, drive me up over there, drive me up over there. So we drive up to this stadium in, in Zambia, and I get out with my little Canon photo that I used to have, you know, the lens comes out. So I'm out there, and I, I said, oh, let me just walk around. So I'm going to take pictures to send Dr. Rodney. Hey, this could be a good crusade ground. So I'm clicking, 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 and my wife's in the car with all the other guys. I'm the only one that got out. So I walk about 50 yards from the car, and I'm thinking, yeah, we could do this. We could park the cars here, and I'm thinking like a crusade director. And all of a sudden, I look in my camera lens, and I'm like, what's that? So I zoom in a little bit more, and I'm like, oh, my, what is that? <laughs> It was a guy holding a spear with war paint on. I'm not even playing. You can't make stuff like this up. Running at me with a spear in Zambia. Now, that, that, that's bad enough. I don't know why his chosen weapon of the day was a spear, because he had a machine gun around his arm also. So then lightning quick thought came to me, you should get back to the car. So I'm taking pictures, and I got to... I gotta, and it turns out I didn't know it was a military man, obviously, you know, Zambian, and he had a spear and he ran at me and I'm like, oh Jesus. So I just start praying in emergency tongues. This is Zambia, where we're going now. And I go back to the car and they're all in the car and I'm like, hey, you know, can you open the door, you know? <laughs> the pastors are in there talking, eh, praise God, you know? And I, I hop in the car, no lie, military, military vehicles, armed forces, machine guns tapped right on the car. In our, and my wife's there, and I'm thinking, my wife's eight months pregnant. Like, honey, what did you do? You know, I'm like, hey, I just, eight months pregnant in the back of the car. And I mean, I'm serious. We're talking about right on us, machine gun right there. So you want to go to Africa, huh? Okay, so... You talk about the devil's a hope thief, there's a good opportunity to lose a little hope. And the end result was they were yelling, they were screaming. What I didn't know was, of course, Zambia had come out of communism, and it was illegal to take pictures of public buildings. Now, I didn't know that. So when I was taking pictures of the stadium, I was breaking the law. I didn't even know. That's why that happened. And so they're screaming, give me your camera, give me your camera. And then I'm thinking... How am I going to get the pictures to Pastor Rodney? I'm not kidding. Serious. So I said, I'll delete them. And I only deleted like two of them. I kept the rest of them. I still got them. But, um, and what's amazing is the man that was running for president of the nation, you know him, Sam. The man that was actually running for president of the nation is the one that was driving me around. Oh, my goodness. He gets out of the vehicle. Everybody knew who he was, and he was able to talk to them, and we were able to get out of that thing. Hallelujah. Isn't that a great story? Hallelujah. So thank God. So hope deferred maketh the heart sick. You don't want to defer your hope in a situation like that. 
So now we're going to Zambia. We never booked Zambia there. Actually, when we were in Zambo, Zambia, we went on live television there, and Elliot was, uh, well, one of them, one of the African ones, I'm getting the country mixed up, he was eating the flyer on live television, and they kept saying, you can't have your baby on live television. I said, he travels with us. They said, he's eating the flyer. He ate the flyer right on live television in Africa. It was amazing. <laughs> It's like one years old, eating a flyer. I thought it was great. I thought it made for good TV, but they didn't think so, but it was fun. I mean, some of y'all might have heard this one, but the first time I ever went to Africa, you're talking about hope deferred. I, first time I ever went to Africa was 1998 with Dr. Ronnie. First missionary journey, of course, I went to Europe and Australia, and then we find ourselves in Africa. And I'm in a crusade in Africa, so I'm only one year. Bible school was one year. I'm only in the road six months, ever. And then I'm there, and Pastor Rodney used to pray for everybody every service. And he was praying for people. He was going down the prayer line, and I would be the guy, you know, walk along and, you know, be there and help. And so he's praying, filled, filled, fire, fire. He's in Africa, so we're praying, fire, fire, filled. He lays his hand on this girl, about 80 pounds, a little girl. I mean, she was probably 18 or 19, but a teeny little girl. And the minute he laid his hands on her, her eyes rolled white, and she went, roar, and I went, ah! <laughs> I mean, I heard of devils before, but in America, we got Coca-Cola and calorie devils. This was a devil. I, oh my goodness, I had never seen a girl speak in a man's voice. She went, and her eyes popped right in her head white. I'm talking. Then if that's not bad enough, she falls on the ground and starts slithering like a snake. And I'm not talking about like a snake, a snake. If you've ever seen somebody in this situation, it is just like a snake, as quick, psh, through the crowd. And I'm like, oh, Jesus. And then I'm thinking, oh, well, I can't wait to see what the man of God does. I mean, I get to see a devil cast out. And Pastor Rodney's looking at this girl, and I'm back, man. I'm just surveying the land like, wow, great to be out here in the ministry. And, and then Pastor Rodney looks at the girl. I mean, she was you know, eyes slithering. People in Africa, you know, they spreading just crazy stuff. And then Pastor Rodney looks at her, and then he looks. He had like 500 people in a line ready to pray for. He looks at the line. He looks at her. He looks at me. And I thought, why is he looking at me? Oh, please, Lord, do not let him look at me. Why is he looking at me? I just started traveling. And then he says, Eric, hi, yes, sir. He goes, cast that devil out of that girl. I mean, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're talking about hope deferred makes a heart. You bet. Oh, Jesus. I, I mean, I was a man under authority. And I'm going to tell you what I did. And if you did this in America, you would go to jail. I don't know what happened. I tell you, the power of God came on me. She was on the floor over there. Man, I used to watch worldwide wrestling when I was growing up. Oh, yeah. Man, I came off the top rope. I went, ah, and I went, boom, and I dove through the air. I landed right on this girl. In the name of Jesus, boom. I land full weight right on top of her. I mean, could have killed her, you know. In the name of Jesus. And I start casting the devil. You foul devil in the name of Jesus. I bind you, you foul spirit. I bind this strong man. Come out, come out, come out in Jesus' name. 
I mean, I don't want to get too graphic. There's a lot of kids here. Teeth bleeding, eyes white, a devil, a real one. Most have never seen, real one. Totally possessed, not oppressed, possessed. Poltergeist stuff. And I'm casting the devil out, in the name of Jesus. And she is trying to bite me, (laughs) bite me, and I'm holding her down. And I had caught thousands of people being on the road at that time because pastor used to pray. So I was very strong, upper strength. I had a lot of strength at that time. And so I'm holding this 80-pound girl, in the name of Jesus. All of a sudden, she stands up and grabs me. Boom, boom, like two pieces of steel. I am playing. And she starts throwing me around like a rag doll. Boom, boom, and I'm in the name of Jesus. I'm like. And then Pastor Ronnie's praying, Phil, Phil. Like, damn, I'm on. She's throwing me around. I couldn't believe it. I mean, the girl is manhandling me, you know? I mean, it was the devil, supernatural, unfortunately, strength. I didn't know. I never stopped. In the name of Jesus. And she's throwing me around. So finally, she fell back down to the ground. Shut up, you foul devil. I'm right in her face. Shut up. Boom, in the name. And then when the first devil left, when the first devil left, it shook her body. I mean, shook it so hard that she shook uncontrollably like like an earthquake, and it ripped out of her. I could just say it was like she was ripped. And it ripped out. Then the second one left. The third one, there must have been six or seven over there. It, and she's, she's African. She's black, obviously. So when the last one came out, she looked white. No blood left in her body. She looked as if she was dead. She literally looked dead. I mean, even people went around thinking the girl was dead. And immediately when the last one left, she looked dead for about 10 seconds. And then the joy of the Lord hit her. And she came totally to. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Totally set free by the power of God. So someone said, how did you learn how to cast out devils? In a Rodney Howard Brown meeting in Africa. <laughs> and I know we're live on television around the world and stuff, so I'll, I'll make it a little softer the way that I say it. Uh, When we interviewed the lady later, she, as a little baby, was offered by the the witch doctors to the devil, poured blood down her throat, and all the stuff you do to offer a baby to a witch doctor, she she was offered as a sacrifice. And she said to me, never in my life have I ever went to bed one night that I did not have a demonic visitation that did really, really bad things. People don't even know there's a world out there like that. We have authority over all of this. I don't talk about this much in America, but I'm, I mean, this is totally at another level. But I'm here to tell you that girl got totally set free, and we ran into her later, and she said, never has that thing ever returned. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! There's power in the name. There's power in the word. There's power in the blood. And you have it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Woo. 
So don't allow the devil, the hope thief, to steal your joy, especially your hope, especially in little stuff like, uh, went to the coffee shop, they, they didn't have van vanilla for my latte. I mean, give me a break. <laughs> you know, the Bible says that destruction of famine, you should laugh. Sometimes you're just going to have to laugh. When you're facing some tough, tough stuff, you need to go, ha, 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 ha. I mean, I did one crusade for Pastor Rodney. We were in um, Umlazi, Zulu country, and uh, we, were, we were there, and I made a terrible mistake as a crusade director. I booked my wife and me in a lower-quality hotel only because the top-quality hotels, which would be American mainline hotels, can be $500 a night, $600, $700. I'm talking about for a room with a king bed because they have good food, they have security, all these things. I, Pastor Rodney never knew this in his defense, I promise you. He rebuked me so bad after this. But I could not on the budget sheet put us into a place for two months paying that much money. I mean, call it what you will, I just didn't do it. So I booked us in a place and it was bad. Oh, Jesus. It was wrong. It was, and my wife was pregnant. God bless her. She put up with so much with me. She was pregnant. I mean, no, she had, I'm sorry, she had Elliot at the time. You had Elliot on that one? I guess so many of them, but um, no, no. No, she was pregnant because we, she got so sick, we got food poisoned. I don't know if I've ever called Pastor Rodney on the road and said, pray for us. We just get out there and do what God tells us to do. My wife was so deathly sick that it was if she was going to die, and she was eight months pregnant. She got food poisoning because I allowed a pastor in Tanzania. Sorry, sorry, Tanzania. I allowed a pastor just diplomatically to pray over our food, and my wife looked at me because I always pray over the food. I don't allow anybody to pray over the food. I mean in situations like that. But diplomatically, pastor, you want to pray? Well, he, he did a bad job. <laughs> she got so sick, we thought she was going to get taken out. And we were living in this bad place. I mean, and we got sick because they cooked all the food in local grease, the local oil. And I mean, unbelievably broke every rule of crusades. She got so sick, I didn't know if she, we just had to hold on to hope. And my wife has a dream. And in the dream, she's eight months pregnant. Somebody stabs her in her belly. And she had it, I think, two or three days in a row. Belly, pregnant, stabbed her, killed her. This is not a good dream to have in Africa or anywhere. And I knew we had to get her out of that, ho that place. I knew it. I messed up. Pastor didn't know, so no one say anything to him because he didn't know. I mean, he knows this story now, but he really didn't know. Um, a lady comes up, and I'm going to close with this, and I want you to listen very, very close to what I say. A multimillionaires comes up to my wife and says, hey, I have a beautiful home. We have servants. I mean, this is the way she talks, so I'm just going to talk like she talked. She has, we have people that help us, that do all the laundry, do all the cooking. We have security guards. We are completely, it's a, it's, a, it's a very, very expensive home. It had the razor wire around it. It was in South Africa, very secure, very posh, nice area. 
and she goes, I really, really feel, now she didn't even know where we were staying. She goes, I really, really feel that I would like to, I'm going out of the country for a while, I would like to offer that to you and Jennifer. Now, in the situation we were in, you would have thought, hallelujah, the, the heaven opened, and that was God. The only problem is, when she told us that, my wife had a check. Now, this looked like Africa talk, your bum fell in the butter. You know, this looked good. And she had a check, and we prayed, and immediately, the minute that she said, and this lady was nice, she was trying to help. She wasn't a bad lady. And we said, ma'am, with all due respect, gosh, that's such a great offer, thank you, and we turned it down. It was the very next day that her house got robbed and raided. And my wife would have been taken out. We would have been taken out. That's why you really need, even if something looks great and you think it's the greatest thing since sliced bread, you still need to go to the Lord in prayer. You still need to check and make sure it's God. And, they got, and that house got taken out. And we would have been in it. So hope deferred maketh the heart sick. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. So you're going to go through things. And, you know, Paul called these light afflictions. And this is nothing compared to what many people go through. This is like stuff we can just have talk about right now. But, I mean, the things that people go through go way beyond these things. So in your light affliction, still have hope. And whatever you're believing for, against hope, believe in hope. Do not give up. Do not quit because I'm here to tell you victory is yours if you don't quit. Faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And the Bible says, do not grow weary in well-doing, for in due season you shall reap if you do not faint. And what does that mean? If you faint, the devil stole your hope. Those dreams and desires that God put in your life will come to pass. They will come to pass. Not even a question. You just can't give up. You can't quit. You can't start staying a bunch of stuff that doesn't line up with the Word of God. You need to let it go. You need to speak faith. You need to speak the end result. You need to speak what God's telling you to do. And I believe for many, the switch is turned on right now. The switch is turned from off to on, and you are going to be able to do exploits in his name and do great things. Can you say amen? amen? Tony, your wife, stand right here. Come on out. Let me pray for both of you. Take your wife with you. Lift your hands to heaven. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you for this couple. No seed goes unnoticed. Thank you, Father, that as they go through this door and even areas that they've never been before, I thank you, Father, that the gift of faith will so fall on them that they'll both be in agreement. And, Lord, they'll be so filled with joy and give you all of the praise and give you all the honor for what you're about to do. For I see a whirlwind, <laughs> I, see, I see a whirlwind of prosperity coming to you. I see open doors coming from areas you've not even been involved in, and it shall even happen now, and it'll be a quick work now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. A whirlwind. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I never said a whirlwind of prosperity, but hey, I'll take that. Who'll take a whirlwind of prosperity? I mean, you know, a world, a tornado come and pick you up, take you right where you're supposed to be. Going to be translated, praise God, into the place you're supposed to go. I want everyone to bow your head and close your eyes. If you're in this place or you're watching by way of television, 
God wants to give you your dreams and desires and your vision. He wants it to come to pass. But the Bible even says that we're saved by hope. We're saved by hope through faith in Jesus Christ. And if you're here right now, and I want everybody to listen close, because many have went through many terrible things, and, and I don't even want to get into all those things. And maybe some people watching right now and those that are here, the enemy would lie to you and terrible things would happen in your life. And then the enemy would lie and say, God did it. God did it. God did not do it. God is love. God is good. And the devil is bad. Don't believe the lies of the enemy. God is on your side. And the Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. At one time, sometime in our life, those watching and those who are here, we're going to meet God face to face. And if you're here or you're watching and you've never called on his name, the Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And the Bible says, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you're here right now or you're watching, faith has an action to it. Faith without works is dead. What does that mean? You can't just say, oh, I believe and do nothing. If the Lord's speaking to you and you want to surrender your life, then you just say, Lord, take me as you are. A lot of people in the world will say, let me clean myself up a little first. There ain't no cleaning. You can't clean yourself up good enough that God will take, that, that, that time you're worthy for God to take you. Actually, in the midst of sin, he'll take you just like you are. No matter what's going on, but he loves you so much, he won't leave you like that. It's called surrender. It's where you say, Lord, I don't know how this whole thing's going to work out, but I believe. And if you're watching or you're here and you've never called upon the name of the Lord, I pray you'll answer this call today because your very eternal destination is at hand. And then maybe you're here or you're watching on television and you do love the Lord. You, you're saved, but you've grown cold. When I talked about hope deferred or how hope, the devil's a hope thief, and I talked about people and situations and circumstances and sickness and bankruptcy and divorces and all this crazy stuff, what happens as a believer is a lot of times you cool off. You do love the Lord, but you've grown cold. And Jesus told the Laodicean church, church, to the church, I know thy works are neither hot nor cold, but because you're lukewarm, I'll spit you out of my mouth. You don't want God spitting you out of his mouth. So if you are a believer and you're not red hot on fire winning souls and you've grown cold, it doesn't mean God doesn't love you. He does love you. But you have to give him every area of your life. You have to surrender every area and say, God, use me. God, I repent. I'm sorry. And you need to bring it to the altar and let God take care of all that in your life. And that takes faith. And that takes an action on your part. And I believe the Lord's speaking to people. Someone said, what will people think? Most people don't think. How about this? How does, what does God think? What does Jesus think? Maybe that's the better answer. Or if you're here or watching and the devil's always lied to you and telling you you're not saved. If you fit into any one of those three categories here or watching my television, will you obey God or are you just doing the church club thing today? No, we obey God. If you fit into any one of those three categories without any hesitation, as eyes are closed and heads are bowed, I want to pray with you and for you. Lift your hands to heaven right now in Jesus' name. Do it now. Your hands should be up. If you fit into these categories, someone said, well, I'm a little scared. Well, push through that fear and get into faith. The Lord's speaking to people. Put your hands up. What about believers that have grown cold? Talking about everybody, not living like you used to. Give me a break. Put it all at the altar, man. It's time to go into September with everything that God has for you. Put your hands up if the Lord's speaking to you. Put your hands down. I want everybody to look at me, those on television. 
Put your hands down. If you're in this section right here and you didn't raise your hand on those three calls, but you want me to include you in my prayer, lift your hands to heaven right now. Okay? Thank you, thank you, thank you. Good. If you're in this center section up to the balcony and you didn't raise your hand and you were supposed to and you want to be included in the prayer, I'm going to pray for these three calls. Lift your hand to heaven now in Jesus' name. This is eternal. Okay, I see all those hands. Good. In this section up to the balcony, if you didn't raise your hand and you were supposed to, Put your hand up to heaven right now in Jesus' name. Someone said, who are you putting your hand up to? To Jesus, not me. Put your hands down. I want everyone that raised your hand. The Bible says faith without works is dead. If you raised your hand, I'm going to tell you who saw your hand. God. And if you mean business with God, I can help you with something. God means business with you. So if you raise your hand, I don't care if 100 people around you, I don't care if you're in the nosebleed section, if you're in the upper, the upper room, Wherever you are, if you raise your hand without any hesitation, stand up and meet me right here. Come. Come to Jesus. Come. In the balcony, stand up. They're going to show you where to go. Stand up. Come. Stand up. Ushers, help them. Come. Come, come. Come to Jesus. Come. Come to Jesus. There's others, there's others. speaking to people. Get up out of your seat and get down here. I tell you, the Lord's speaking. Come. They're coming, they're coming. I'm going to say this. River Church, believers, Bible school, it doesn't matter. It's a heart thing. Well, people know me. I'm an usher. Who, get, who cares? I mean, you need to be right with God. Someone said, who are you talking about? I'm not talking about anybody. I'm just talking. I'm going to leave the altar open just a few more moments. Those watching in your house, stand in your home, put your hands up. If the Lord is speaking to you and you know you're supposed to be here, get up out of your seat and come on down.
Hallelujah. I want everybody to look at me. You've not come to man. You've come because the Lord has called you. I don't need to know what anybody's going through. God knows everything. I don't need to know. He knows what's up. But one prayer fits all. And I'm here to tell you, things are going to turn around in your life. Things are going to turn around in your life, no doubt. You mean business with God? You're here. There's people that should be here. They're not here, but you're here. And God means business with you. And it's about surrender. It's about saying, I don't have it all figured out. Uh, I need help, God. I need your help. So I want you, in a, in, as an act of surrender to the Lord, I want you just to close your eyes and lift your hands to heaven. Just lift your hands to Jesus. And then say this. In your homes, do this too. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I'm so sorry, Lord. Wash me. Cleanse me. Set me free. Jesus, come into my heart. Be my Lord and Savior. I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe three days later you were raised from the dead for me. I confess with my mouth. I believe in my heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Fill me with your precious Holy Spirit. Baptize me with the Holy Ghost and the fire of God. Let my life count for eternity. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll do what you want me to do. I'll be what you want me to be. Not my will, but your will be done. Hallelujah. Now lift both hands and just say, thank you, Jesus. Say, thank you. Thank him. Say, thank you, Jesus. Say, thank you, Jesus. Say, thank you, Jesus. I want everybody to look at me. Hallelujah. Today's a great day. Whether it was salvation, rededication, or assurance, I'm here to tell you, when God looks at you, it's as if you never sinned. I know it's hard to believe because like, hey, hold on, I remember something. Yeah, this is as if you never sinned. Your sins are as far as your east is from the This program has been brought to you by the friends and partners of Revival Ministries International in Tampa, Florida. For more information on the ministry of Drs. Rodney and Adonica Howard Brown or for additional resources, visit Revival.com.